Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. So today we're jumping a couple provinces and we are virtually, we are, I am, I'm the only host here. Uh, <laughs> I am virtually recording with the fabulous Nia Nebula. Say hello. Hi everyone. Uh, nice to be meet you again. <laughs> God, that feels like such an like MSN throwback. Totally, or like ICQ <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh my God. Way back in the day. Uh, it's so lovely to meet you. It's also my first time meeting you. We just started talking about like five minutes ago. So yay! So excited to have you on the show. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. I can't wait to get into all the topics that we're going to be talking about today. So a bit of today's episode, it's a bit of everything. Obviously, this still is the COVID mini-series, so we are going to be talking about stripping, uh, mainly in Manitoba, because you, I think you dance at um, a couple clubs there, which we're going to talk about, as well as um, some fetish work as well. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Can you define and explain to the audience who you are, what you do, in your own words, on your own terms? <laughs> oh, man, that's that's such a difficult question. <laughs> I know I'm looking at your that? Instagram and uh, looking at your website. You do so many things. <laughs> uh, I'd like to think of myself as a multifaceted uh, entertainer to some degree or another. Now, whether everyone agrees with that or not is a different story. <laughs> um, I mostly got known on the circuit for my hula hoops because I was doing those shows well before I started dancing. Okay. And actually, my first six months of dancing, I literally refused to touch a pole. Really? So- <laughs> So people got a little sick of them, but it's still my, like, one of my bigger shows that I have available right now, and it's definitely what I'm known for. Very cool. Um, But yeah, I'm an international showgirl. Um, I've worked my way across a decent chunk of Europe. I've done a handful of contests in the U.S. now, and I'm just barely getting back in from Australia. (laughs) Literally made the last flight with Air Canada back home on the 28th of March. So that was an interesting experience there all on its own. Whoa, that's super Um, late. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we went from social distancing at the airport to being crammed like sardines for a 15-hour one-way connection. Oh my god. Social distancing kind of went out the window, as did Air Canada's, like, personal in-flight service. Let's call it that. Oh, no. That is another topic. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, we are so glad to have you back, at least. I made it home. I can't complain. At least I made the flight. But, yeah, I I could have literally been facing being stranded in Australia until the flights reopened again. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't even know if they're open right now, are they? <laughs> I think they're re-kickstarting international flights right now. I yeah. know I was reading on one of the dog rescues I follow that they're looking for people flying into Canada from Korea specific. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, too. Like, of, of of all the places that they're looking to import dogs from right now, it's from Korea. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good thing, in my opinion. But yeah, apparently totally. the flights are jam-packed, so. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Well, yeah, this, the world is slowly quote-unquote, getting back to normal right now. But, I mean, baby steps, it's not not over yet. So <laughs> let's um, talk about, okay, there's so many things here. Where do you want to start? <laughs> Stripping, um, um, dancing across Europe, bleh, all, your <laughs> online work, bleh, Manitoba. <laughs> so many um, facets here. My kickstart in the industry was in BC, and I was one of the top graduates out of my college. I got a great job, and I could still barely afford to pay my rent. So my performance and entertainment aspect started because I needed money to pay my bus pass. And (laughs) maybe have some extra money for food, because even at being over minimum wage and in a commission-based job, I still could, like, it took over one paycheck to afford to pay my rent and... I couldn't afford to live. No. So um, I used to volunteer a lot with uh, the fetish community in Vancouver. Uh, I worked oh. for Sin City and Noir for two and a half years. Oh, yeah, doing cool. 50, doing the 50-50 draws. So that's 
part of where my kickstart was uh, with fetish. <laughs> at the beginning of everything. <laughs> and um, near the end of those two and a half years, I started doing more variety shows. So um, a lot of the circus-based events around town were constantly looking for hula hoopers or people with LED toys. And that's how I managed to supplement my <laughs> existence <laughs> in society. So, oh my gosh. Um, I got fired literally two days before I hit a three-month probation in my second job in my industry. No. And my girlfriend was like, well, I've been doing this for a little bit. Would you like to come dance? And little did I know, I had no fucking clue what I was doing. Like, absolutely none. And when I say that, I mean it. Even coming out of the fetish events, I had no clue what I was doing. Um, They... I, I did an amateur contest at the Alder, which is now gone. Yes, the Alder. Two days of freelancing at the Bird, which is now also gone. Oh, yeah, I was going to say it's gone and, too. And then my first actual booking ever that next Monday was in Kitimat. What? Where we had to where we had to chop our own firewood and build our own fire for two weeks in the bar to keep warm. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So you literally got thrown into the fire. <laughs> oh, uh, people used to say that the condo was rough. None of those girls had ever been to Kitimat. Oh, my God. I was going to say, because I was like, I've never heard of anyone going to Kitimat. What club is up there? Or what club was there? Is it still there? It was It was the zoo. And it oh. was definitely an interesting experience because it was a zoo. It was <laughs> run by people who used to pretend to not to speak, sorry, pretend not to speak English. What? In order to literally avoid backlash from the owners at the time. Oh, what? <laughs> oh my uh, god, there's so many my things first wrong time with this. Up there, the like one of the people that was up there was trying to play Madame and was literally trying to convince us to do extras out of the hotel rooms upstairs. And I was like, what oh the my actual god. fuck did I just get myself into? Oh my god. So okay, wow. <laughs> That's awful. Oh, dear. So, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Needless to say, I went from there to Campbell River. That was my second booking ever. And that was, like, end of November to beginning of January. I just took all of December off. And I like to recoup and rethink yeah. if this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Just- <laughs> um, Campbell River, before the renovations and before everything, was... I mean, I love the renovations. I love the way the bar looks now. But yeah. it was just such a weird little place to be, like, put into <laughs> back then as well. So, and you know, ta- you're talking about dances- JJ's? Yeah. Yeah. Back when <laughs> private dances weren't really a thing there. <laughs> right. Yeah, and we, we've mentioned that in the couple on the podcast a couple times now. Just, I guess, the pivot and the switch, I, I guess, from, from feature and stage dancers and now – to the emphasis now on VIP and like uh, lap dances. It's so crazy. So you've obviously witnessed all of that and not just witnessed, but experienced all of that too. When I first started, um, it took them about, I want to say eight months to a year after I kickstarted into the industry for the current agent at the time to install two private dance rooms at the Alder. Wow. Wow. <laughs> those, if, if you've worked there while it was open, those got built while I was on shift. <laughs> <laughs> while you're on shift? <laughs> <Here>. <laughs> wow, um, girl. You have so many stories. <laughs> I remember the usual crowd in there because it was a bunch of like, it, it was blue collar jobs in the area. So right. it was a bunch of people that worked for auto shops around the corner, a mm-hmm. bunch of people that worked in some of the factories that were just out of the Vancouver area that would drive in because they lived, you know, close by. And they looked at these rooms being built and they were like, why would I pay to go in there when I can <laughs> like tip you and enjoy it on stage? And then you're going to come have a drink with me anyway and play pool after like, what right. is going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting too, to kind of like, try to put yourself in the patron's shoes too to be like why is this needed so that there's and a bit it of a went shift from there. why is this needed to this is the only thing we, which is really 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 mind-boggling honestly i know that's it's it's crazy super crazy but um i also want to ask you about your experiences dancing in europe and also your experiences dancing in australia how was that experience uh, for you 
dancing in Europe is uh, very different to dancing here. It's definitely a little bit more of a mix of how the States is ran with just freelancers. Right. But you get paid a flat rate per shift. Mm-hmm. So um, my favorite club was actually in Hamburg. Um, oh. It's actually the world's largest red light district. I hey. went from being put into a place that was questionable at best to um, having to sneak out from the second story to go audition at a different club. Um, you, you can't even make that up. Yeah, they, they tried what? to lock us in. What? Oh, my <laughs> so God. So we snuck out of a we snuck out of a window to like get out because this was the only strip club in the like uh, window shopping section of the red light district oh to go gosh. across the street to the actual strip club alley and auditioned, got hired on the spot because myself speaking Canadian English and my girlfriend being British. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked out, right? So um, that ended up being my favorite place to work, and it was mostly champagne sales. Okay. Um, so your liver better damn well be strong because if you can't drink, you're not making money. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you, um, like, how did you land yourself in Europe and, like, can you tell us a bit more about the champagne service that is there in the States? Oh, sorry, it's in the States in, in Europe? Champagne sales is just a part of how the clubs are ran. Um, I mean, champagne's a lot cheaper in Europe than it is here, but um, I can work across all of Europe with my European Union, so ah. uh, second citizenship comes in handy somewhere, right? Lucky girl! <laughs> That's awesome! <laughs> So this was one of the weirdest club experiences I've had in, well, most of my life. It was a very small, round, carpeted stage. Carpeted? With no pole. Uh, What? That rotated rotated slowly. (laughs) I'm just trying to picture um, this. You'd be be up there for two songs, and they had tip dollars from the bar that they would buy, and they'd just hand you a handful, and you'd have to hop off the now-rotating stage onto the drink tray, in order to do titty tips. Okay. Explain to the well, audience. Pour, but... your, pour, pour beer through your tits and funnel it into someone's mouth. Oh, my God. <laughs> this sounds like it's getting um, messy. <laughs> it, it was all about getting messy. I don't, like, at the end of the night, you didn't even want to put your clothes on because there was just so much champagne spilled straight down your chest. That was literally all I did was I talked about travel and I poured champagne down my tits. It created <laughs> waves of wastefulness, right? <laughs> so interesting. What countries were you dancing in when you were there? Um, were there stark differences in between both in, in between the countries you danced in, or? Oh, definitely. Every single country. Well, every single country has its own culture behind it, and of then course. within the culture, it's how they treat sex workers even if you're not offering sex like I worked in southern Spain I was two hours away from Gibraltar and um I really liked the club the people that were heading down there for summer was very like it was a very fun crowd Mm -hmm. but at the same time every single person in town thought that we were like full working girls oh wow I had a lot of restaurants denying me service or trying to be absolute well honestly assholes because of the fact that I worked at the club right so of course they they probably view sex workers in not not a very nice light I would say so not as Um, accepting it as it say would be here on the west coast of BC definitely not right um so I've worked across Spain I've been in Scotland I've done a little bit of a touch in England, but not enough to actually be able to speak on it, honestly. Okay. I've worked in Belgium in multiple spots in Germany. Okay. Now I'm trying to think. <laughs> I <laughs> Where think else? That's most of the places I've tried to work at in Europe. Wow. So like I a mean, lot of Western Europe. Yeah, mostly. Germany was definitely the best, though, hands down. Why was Germany One thing the best? I also noticed is I was working on, like, the southern end of Belgium. Okay. And a lot of the people coming in were coming in across the border from, like, northern France. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just I, – I honestly think it was, like, literally just the customer basis there. But it was a very tiny club. Everyone chain-smoked inside, and no one wore deodorant. Oh, my God. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> It was weird. <laughs> it was definitely weird. That sounds unfortunate. <laughs> but 
But tell me, okay, why, why was Germany the best? Was it in terms of the pay, the how the club was, the environment, how they respected their dancers there, or why why did that shine out of all the that? The German degree? economy is solid through and through. They've got right. so many different industries going that it's actually like one of the better places to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a really decent workers' compensation. Um, it's one of the few places where you can legally work as a sex worker doing whatever you want to industry-wise. Okay. Interesting. Um, especially when you look at it. I mean, the Vancouver fetish community and the Berlin fetish community cross over a lot, too. Okay. So um, when you look at it from that perspective, it's it's a place where people are a lot more open to sexuality. Right. Just from my, again, my personal experiences. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot easier being able to establish boundaries because people are used to it now. Right. And um, being able to actually enjoy myself in the environment and having people actually understand consent culture. So uh, there's multiple different aspects to why Germany was the best, but it kind of boils mostly down to that. That's awesome. That's so cool. I also didn't have to use Google Translate as much over there. So. <laughs> oh, really? That was kind of like a, a handy little aspect. That's awesome. <laughs> well, it sounded like you had a really, really great experience over there. <laughs> For the most <laughs> it part. It was an experience. I'll give it that. <laughs> Just like, pause, yes. <laughs> How long were you dancing in and across Europe for? Was that over a significant amount of time? I've or? gone back and forth a lot, so... Oh, wow. Well, my first time going through Germany, I just worked Munich. My second time, I tried a different spot in Munich before I ended up in Belgium. And then I went back into Hamburg. So it's really easy to hop around. Um, Most of the customers coming into Hamburg were coming in for stags. Okay. And stagettes and just weekend like thrashers and they were coming in on nine pound one-way flights from the uk so wow uh, <laughs> it makes it a lot them. more affordable when you can just pop a cheap pop flight around. and there you are for the weekend right you don't need to bring a whole lot of anything either yes yes go home at the end of the weekend take an actual proper shower <laughs> so then you, i'm sure you can survive with what's in the hotel <laughs> yeah as opposed to um traveling here in canada where it's pretty fucking pricey <laughs> to oh go across even one province <laughs> when the condo was around paying six hundred dollars for a one-way ticket up to fort st john from vancouver <laughs> not, not cool not cool it's, but you'd it make that in less than a fucking day so it was justifiable <laughs> there you go <laughs> well speaking about canada you are now based in winnipeg obviously not by choice right now it sounds like you would obviously be traveling across the world dancing but how did you find yourself down in Winnipeg I came out here on the recommendation of someone who unfortunately isn't dancing anymore uh that was Katrina Valentine that girl was absolutely phenomenal I don't know if you've heard of her or had the opportunity to work with her but she was an absolute gem and so I ended up out here my first round about four, four and a half years ago. Okay. And um, back then we used to have our dancer accommodations right downtown over top of solid gold. And so I used to come out. I would stay at the house. We have personal drivers and chauffeurs because we're literally hopping through bars because, I mean, for the most part, my day shifts are on dance floors in the middle of pubs. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So we have like drop-in strippers. That's just it's how Winnipeg runs. And so it was, it was a really fun time because most of my time is always spent on a stage. Right. Um, so I just kept coming in and then at one point or another, there was an issue. We lost solid gold. I don't even know who they're booking anymore, to be honest, but it went from being my favorite bar in town to, I can't even stay up there anymore. And so after a couple of issues with accommodation locally, I just kind of said, fuck it and got a place out here. My preference has always been to be on stage. Mm-hmm. I have no issues with doing floor work, but as soon as you drop in and you're the only person out of town that has no regulars and customer bases, it's really difficult now trying to sell when girls are 
in in our economy, especially getting aggressive towards their personal rights, <laughs> excuse me, regulars. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the main purpose for me getting a place out here. Wow. The entire point was I have a spot where I can come in. I can work for a couple of weeks, maybe like two months at a time. Yeah. I can change over my suitcases, but I have guaranteed work in the city or within driving distance of the city. And then I can go off and do the rest of my bookings everywhere else. Right. Right. So that's so a pretty good home um, base then. In that sense. My connection my connection down to Australia was cheating the system at its finest because I got <laughs> one of the DJs from the day bars to drive me across the border into North Dakota. So my flight from there into Vegas was about a hundred dollars. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I connected from Vegas to Brisbane through Honolulu and Hawaiian air was having a huge sale as well. So nice. I literally get down there on a budget of, under $700. And that is unheard of <laughs> for flights down to Australia. That is ridiculous. Considering how much I had to pay to get back here with Air Canada. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> Crazy. And how was your experience down in, down under? <laughs> it was a wildly interesting ride. Um, considering I've worked across like a decent chunk of, well, not a decent chunk, but I've worked in Scotland and like a little bit of England. This is like a whole different ball game of Commonwealth country, right? Oh yeah. So, um, (laughs) there were aspects to Australia I really enjoyed. The main one being the fact that their minimum wage is a living wage. So to give you an example, uh, there's no tipping by the way there. There is tipping on stage to some degree or another, but generally speaking, if you're booked for something specific you're you're on a flat rate fee Um, if you're a bartender you don't really get to see tips so groceries are cheaper so their life expenses are actually a little bit more affordable but then you look at things like alcohol and cigarettes and everything's just jacked up through the roof right oh my god (laughs) so a pack of smokes was running at like 30 to 50 dollar pack oh my gosh gross (laughs) no thanks (laughs) right yeah. But you can easily go and do a full shop for the week for under $100. Wow, that's that's awesome. So nice so. to hear that. <laughs> okay, so with Australia, in terms of stripping culture, obviously it varies quite vastly from the rest of the world because you've had a significant amount of experience dancing <laughs> everywhere (laughs) I think it's probably the most experience that I have interviewed on my show which is really fascinating so (laughs) I don't like staying in one place and I want to see the world and I'm also a nerd so should be Doctor Who reference but if a TARDIS appeared in front of me I'd be gone (laughs) (laughs) love it you're multifaceted I think that's great (laughs) so now you're you're stuck in Winnipeg at the moment so how has that, because I know that the clubs have slowly started reopening there. Um, how, how's the dancing it's a very, It's a very surreal experience. I got to experience two of the clubs last week. Okay. And they're handling it with very different approaches. Okay. Um, one of the clubs is six feet apart for absolutely everything. Okay. And by Tuesday, I had borderline lost my voice by having to scream across tables because the music was super loud. Right. And the other club is just not really changed much at all. I mean, they really? do renovations, but that's a, like that's just it. Manitoba has some of the lowest case counts across Canada. Right. But the, the problem that it's facing right now is people coming in from out of province um, oh, okay. without self-isolating. So Right. <laughs> Which is a we, problem. I've had this discussion with a couple of different people here, be it bartenders or like just some of the coworkers that I'm with. But realistically speaking, if we all just like sat on our butts for the two weeks mandatory when you're coming into province, mm-hmm. you should be good to go. I yeah. mean, it doesn't really make a difference at that point. The only cases here have already mostly been dealt with. So not being in the middle of an epicenter was kind of an ideal choice for a place to be. Totally, yeah, 100%. Because now I think the clubs have been open, I mean, at the time of recording, it's been open for, what, about two weeks now? and then I One guess, week. One, this oh, is one week, week two. This is week two already? Okay. Damn. So I guess by the time this episode comes out, it'll be a couple geeks. 
So how have those protocols, how, how are they being man- maintained if, if they are? Because <laughs> you say it's like has always been a no contact area. Okay. So it's easier to reopen here just because, I mean, I can't even take a dollar bill out of someone's hands when I'm on stage. I can't hand someone a poster or a magnet. It has to be put down first because otherwise it's considered contact. Right, right. So I think that aspect of the way everything has been set up in the province in general is part of the reason why things are opening up in the first place. Right. Are you ready for that perfect summer glow up? Check out Tan Coover on Instagram. She is a top-rated spray tanner in Vancouver using only vegan and cruelty-free top-tier solutions. Her all-natural, house-made, gold-shimmering finishing powder shines perfectly on stage. Slide into Tan Coover's DMs for a tan consultation or to book with her and mention Strip by CF for 10% off. And I mentioned, um, or you mentioned to me, I think, even like before we were recording, before... Um, you mentioned some, some clubs are only reopening and they are ones that are stage-based as opposed to the ones that have dance floors. Um, There's a difference there? Yeah. So uh, going back to the way that my day shift is usually ran, I'm usually on dance floors in the middle of local pubs. Right. So the initial statement was that uh, dance floors couldn't reopen, which is how the two like actual nightclubs like strip clubs Mm -hmm. opened up. But as of last Friday, there were four of us that did a jam show. So we call it's called jamming out here. Kind of like how musicians jam out. We we jam out through the day. So one of the bars, which is club St. B reopened last Friday. And now we're getting a handful more of them back this week, which is absolutely phenomenal. That's great. Because I mean, we're just one individual person on a stage. We're not a dance mob, right? No. So, in terms of social distancing, we can't get any more distance than that, right? Right. Interesting. What about dances? Like, how are people going to sell dances now? Is that a thing? And you mentioned it's no contact there. How does that work for well, the One clients? of the clubs uh, closed down their private dance rooms. Okay. And so they have us doing kind of like table dances. Right. But, I mean, they always had podiums outside like on the main club floor it's just now those podiums are six feet apart from the couch instead oh. of the three that it usually is because that's usually the the, the distancing we're dealing with mm-hmm. and the other club just hasn't really changed anything change much right so we're still three feet apart interesting I think the different ways things are being handled is definitely affecting how the sales are going yeah that's I mean, my next question. <laughs> it's it's hard because I've got a couple of my regulars out here who are into feet, mm-hmm. and now I can't even get my feet up close and personal. Damn it! <laughs> I've got most of what I do is therapy work to some degree or another. So whether right. that's helping out someone who is dealing with loss due to COVID, mm-hmm. whether that people that have been laid off or are now like super like reintegrating almost yeah there we go that that's what I was looking for yay (laughs) Um, or whether it's people that are used to being able to play out a fantasy to some sort or another like great example one of the regulars that comes in for nights is a professor at one of the universities really and (laughs) as much as I don't get as much as I don't wear a schoolgirl outfit I definitely call him professor. So, <laughs> I mean, everyone has something that they need to be made feel human. I don't know. Right. No, totally. Uh, I, to quote myself from earlier, fetish work and just strip club work in general, it's liberation from shame. Right. Can you elaborate more on that as well? Because I, I know you mentioned um, too, like, you know, people are living out their fantasies at the strip club. They might have some roots in fetish work, or not fetish work, or at least fetish. Did you want to talk about that whole liberation as well? I feel like in our day-to-day lives, general society pushes us into these boxes. Mm-hmm. Being in sex work, and this one took me a really, like, unfortunately embarrassing long time to click into. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> We're there to provide 
a service, but how you handle that is up to you. So some people are specifically looking for one thing and that's it. Now, what that one thing is, is questionable. And you've got about 15 seconds in your intro, maybe up to a minute if you're lucky and they're drunk to figure (laughs) out what it is that they're after and what kind of personality change you need to do within seconds to like appeal to your (laughs) your customer basis. But it's a lot of role play. It's a lot of feeling things out. It's a lot of like super fast changing sales tactics, honestly. Um, But a lot of it has to do with what you're trying to cater to. So Mm -hmm. going back to the professor, I mean, it's not an obvious girl fantasy, but the fact that I'm wearing my glasses into the bar is definitely something that has like triggered something in him because the the money hasn't stopped from there, thankfully. (laughs) It had to come from somewhere, right? But then looking at, and I was going to tell you, story earlier looking at on Sunday uh, I went out just because I mean I wasn't on schedule but I was bored I didn't want to sit at home and (laughs) my roommate was on schedule so I was like okay deciding factor I've got some chill people in the bar maybe I'll make some money Um, (laughs) who knows what happens right yeah and we had a couple that were swingers that came in and Winnipeg doesn't have a fetish community they're like the closest thing that they have out here is a place called Aquarius Okay. Which, as far as I'm told, is a sex-orientated bathhouse. Oh, interesting. So that doesn't really cater to a lot of people. Right. I mean, it's great if you like sex in public. It's great if you enjoy that aspect of everything. But I always went to the fetish community because I like playing dress-up because I enjoy the conversations. Because I enjoy getting to know the weirder side of people. Me, weird is normal and... Vanilla is weird, so take your pick. (laughs) (laughs) A person who tells me they're vanilla is usually the that can't find my clit. So yes, yes, exactly. No, I don't get along with those people either. So (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) It's like run away. (laughs) Well, I mean, everyone has their thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, But what about this couple? So this swinger couple came in on Sunday. Well, they're looking to expand their horizons. They're looking to have a more, like, in-depth experience. They're also looking to hire burlesque performers, like actual proper shows. Oh, okay. Kind of like how Plur does. Right. uh, Because they want to throw actual swinger parties. Fun, 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 (laughs) fun. So they want, like, proper entertainment. They're looking for fire shows. They're looking for interactive shows. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, They're looking for, like... To, to actually set something up where they can provide something that's a little different, you know? Right. And I was all over that for multiple different reasons. The main one being this actually sounds like fun. Yeah. Usually when people tell me come to an after party, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, I swear we will have such a great time. Usually <laughs> followed by, I really hope I can snort cook off your ass. Or, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> to that extent. And I'm like, cool. Well, um, I mean, that sounds great for you. I'm so glad you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> so this couple, like, so they're, they're, try- they're trying to plan some kind of bigger event, basically. Well, they're they're trying to cater to something that's missing out of the community right now, and yeah, um, to exist. me that sounds like a perfect opportunity because I mean there are enough of us locally that do actually perform, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, it's a great excuse to actually be able to do something a little more I don't know different yeah different descriptive. well that's awesome fingers crossed I hope that happens because yeah as you said like there's nothing available like that or of that sort available in Manitoba at the moment so be a good niche to tap into but (laughs) (laughs) on the topic though like why don't we talk about more of about like your work in fetish and the fetish community Uh, you briefly mentioned you got started in the fetish community in Vancouver by volunteering at like Sin City and North? Um, 
Yeah. Cool. Uh, so back in those days, uh, I don't know if they do this anymore, honestly, because, well, Noir isn't existent anymore. Right. And I haven't been to a Sin City in a very long time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but they used to hold 50-50 draws and half the money would go towards a lucky winner in the bar. Mm-hmm. And the other half would go towards Pace, which at that point in time, and still to this day, is the organization is something with the downtown east side right. working community. So uh, I think part of my sales tactics honestly came from there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but another part of it is I... I mean, I got to know people on a way better, more intricate level. It gave me an excuse to go and talk to the entire bar. Totally. Um, <laughs> That's so incredible. to me, that was that was a great selling point, right? Yeah, totally. I feel like being in the fetish community has given me a different glimpse into the way that this industry is handled as opposed to any other training could have, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. Um, It was easier to offer fetish-related services in Australia just because a lot of the girls, I mean, there are tons of agencies out there. Most of the girls are freelancers with house fees, and then the only way you work for an agency is for private shows. Now, you could literally be booked to be in the middle of a living room, but yeah, they have like full menus for everything from cream and strawberry shows to masturbation to like two girls like lesbian show full scale so I mean it it, it's not what I offer but Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that they offer right oh my gosh (laughs) I didn't didn't realize that off chance on the off chance they did get a lot of fetish related bookings too so people wanting to sit there and massage your feet or people wanting to be stomped down on and for me, it's consent orientated, but it's always about things that don't really overly affect me, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense, for sure. I have no issues catering to someone that wants a golden shower just because it doesn't make a difference to me. Right. <laughs> no, totally. I'm not the one that has to shower after. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what type of um, fetish work do you do or what kind of fetishes are you involved in? It really depends on who I'm dealing with, if that makes sense. Just because okay. some people rub me the wrong way and I'm just like, I'm not even with the a look at what you want out of this because at this point in time, I just don't. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> consent is sexy. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Something that but, we promote here. Um, yeah, I don't know. For the most part, I seem to attract a lot of foot worshippers just because um, I actually do enjoy that aspect of Yay, everything. that's awesome. I've had a- <laughs> I've had a handful of people that enjoy being trampled okay, um, to whatever degree. Um, so that's literally being stomped down on or kicked in varying different body parts with like either stilettos or like my goth boots or whatever else there might be. <laughs> um, I've definitely peed on more than a handful of people. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? How's uh, that? <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, I've never found that to be like a shameful act. I mean, everyone uses bathrooms or another I just right. rather like be given a heads up so I can drink a shit ton of beforehand <laughs> <laughs> totally clear the system out you know exactly um, <laughs> I love that I've never really been into scat or blood play to any degree I just I don't know um any other liquid that comes out of your body or orifice is just not my thing no I don't know. I, I like latex. I, I've had people before that have literally just booked me so they could rub me down while I'm wearing latex and that's just lubing up an entire like bodysuit piece right. that has nothing to do with like I don't know uh, sexual aspect concentration I feel like that's a good way of wording it no that makes sense to me yeah for sure and yeah. I keep hearing about so, that too so that's really fascinating how do these people find, find you huh like how do your clients find you sometimes it's at events I mean it used to mainly be events um sometimes <laughs> it's on FetLife. Mind okay. you, most of what FetLife brings in is people that just want to have their own experiences and have no intention of paying for services. Uh, uh, sometimes okay. it's Instagram, but as my Instagram has been deleted five times in the last year, uh, I went from 15K followers and a decent um, <laughs> influx yeah. of customers down to, I think I just 400 recently. So oh um, it's a little harder to track people in. Yeah, um, that's, that's that's upsetting. 
Fucking Instagram. Fucking <laughs> censorship. Yeah, well, we were actually checking Instagram this morning, and I told you I have a day shift today that starts at 1 o'clock. Yes. And um, the Instagram for the club is down, and uh, I had to double-check with my roommate to be like, am I blocked? Or did the Instagram account actually get taken down? And unless they just blocked everyone, no, their page is down, which makes absolutely no sense right now. Yeah, that, that I'm really hoping sense. that either we can get it reinstated or back up and running because, I mean, being able to promote that club is a big part of how a lot of the regulars know who's where. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they can find you, right? And so they, they can come into the club. That's really frustrating. Yeah, shit happens when you party naked. And yes, you can quote me on that. <laughs> Maybe that should be the title of the episode today. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I also wanted to briefly ask you about um, the fetish community in Berlin because you mentioned that earlier as well and the parallels it shares with Vancouver. Do you want to speak a, bit, a little bit about that? I haven't personally had many experiences with that. Is oh, Okay. It, that, that's a bad thing to say, but I mean... I haven't worked in Berlin. I worked in Munich a handful of times and mm-hmm. I've been through Hamburg. But specifically with the way that Germany is orientated, I mean, there are dungeons across the entire city. That's not just downtown. That's not just the red light districts. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just, it's an integrated part of society. A lot of the girls that were the displays, I mean, th- there's there's multiple issues attached to that one, but for the most part, the ones that are there of their own volition and willingness and that are in it because they know what the work entails usually end up building up a customer basis and then moving to a different location once their customer base is built, right? Right. So, um, and this is just from talking to the locals. This is just from, like, talking to the workers that I was surrounded by. Right. The clubs in Germany do a lot better than the clubs in Amsterdam I have to tell you that really Um, considering well I didn't work in Amsterdam but I've been through there more than a handful of times and Mm -hmm. I tried scoping it out just to see what the location and the industry is like right and I find that Germany is a lot more consent orientated okay Amsterdam is a lot of overblown uh worldwide tourists Mm -hmm. that look at it as a sex capital as opposed to as these women are here to work right so um now having belligerently drunk people that can get stoned and get other substances. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, weed is legal there. Honestly, it's not even remotely close to the weed we get in Canada. But <laughs> it's about as good of a quality as you're going to get across Europe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the people that aren't used to consuming, like, high-grade weed, or it's it's just a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So I think, I think that's a good way of wording it, is Germany was definitely a lot more openness and communication and people that are there because they want to be there um as opposed to amsterdam which from the handful of girls i saw that tried to work amsterdam mm-hmm. it was girls that wanted to work and then party kind of the way that you would in ibiza for the summer let's say i see because they have clubs down there too but it's not really doable considering the customer basis out there gets are not annual they're not there on a repeat basis right. they're usually one-time travelers and yeah that can be either really good or really bad i was gonna say because like you have you well amsterdam has that reputation of being you know the red light district and of course you know weed is prolific over there too but then as you said like it it can kind of go there for one-time experiences yeah and that's it which can be really shitty yep yep (laughs) <laughs> and then I, I feel like I wonder uh, because there are so many tourists coming in there and they're not really aware of what the cultural norms would be. Like, I'm not sure how how successful girls would be, but obviously, like, I have not worked. I don't know anyone who's worked in Amsterdam yet. So, but maybe a future guest in the show. <laughs> but we'll see. But it's, it's interesting to have these contrasts, um, too, and especially with all of your unique experiences, too, working across the world. I'm find it completely fascinating so i'm so disappointed right now because i mean covid just threw a wrench in most of my world plans originally i was supposed to come back from australia still on the 28th actually okay but i was flying uh from melbourne into vegas for a couple of days for an overnight i was supposed to get one of my costumes shipped down there and then 
because it, it, it was just too heavy to bring internationally on. <laughs> and then I had the exotic dancer national in Dallas, Texas. Right. From there, I was supposed to have a week off and like just enjoy some sunshine in the States. And then I was supposed to be in Topeka, Kansas for North American showgirl con- competition. I, I want to say it was something along those lines. Okay. Wow. Uh, my, my entire summer was literally supposed to be spent going back and forth into and out of the States for contests. Like right now, we were supposed to be getting ready for the feature national dancer championship as oh, well wow. as new pop in. And then after that was supposed to be expo in Vegas. Right. And that's for all strip club industry. <laughs> yeah. That is so We were supposed to have the North American showgirl festival with Shelby doll in New Brunswick. And now the only portion of that we're doing is the burlesque contest. And as much as we are getting judged by theatrical like the theatrical troupe out there Mm -hmm. I now have to record everything online and like film it and just the sheer aspect of you can't feel the crowd no no you you can't feel out exactly what you're doing right or wrong because you can't look at who is judging you so that aspect kind of scares me to be honest yeah and I've Um, been seeing like a lot of these like online competitions now too obviously because like things have had to move from the stage and from in person to online but like you you lose so much of that performative aspect and like the lack of crowd and also just not performing it right there and then like for you to have to like pre-record your submission it just there's an upside and a downside to this the upside is I can pre-record as many times as I want yeah until I get something I really like yeah the downside is that I actually enjoy being put on the spot. Yeah. Um, the aspect of contests that I actually really do enjoy is being able to go out there. And I changed within two to three days before the contest from like panic, panic, panic. Did I bring everything? <laughs> oh my God, how is this going to go? To, <laughs> eh, fuck it. We'll see how it runs literally two hours before I'm on stage. <laughs> you Going out there and having fun. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit of a shift right now. So, I mean, we're going to see how long COVID lasts for. I mean, I really think for the rest of the year, things will be changed quite a bit. Things aren't exactly going to go back to quote-unquote normal that soon. But, you know, it's baby steps, right? Oh, definitely. (laughs) But with that being said, why don't we – because I know you have to go to work soon. um, Why don't we move over to the Q&A portion here? We've got a couple last-minute questions that came in. Because I forgot to put some things on, so that's my mistake. But um, <laughs> I was like, "Shit, I didn't, I didn't promote this." But um, we have a nice question here. Let me see here. How do you stay so sweet and caring in this line of work? And this person also mentioned that uh, Nia gave me my first lap dance, which finally helped me accept that I was pansexual and helped her come out. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Super sweet. That is oh I feel honored. Is that is that weird to say? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like being jaded by the industry. And I mean sometimes it's hard not to let it happen, but for the most part, I feel like every time you go up to someone new, you have to like reset. One of my jobs before I was legal was doing door door child sponsorship with plan canada so i mean if you can go from door to door and keep having no's and like literal shuts in your face uh, you just have to like regroup and move to the next table and talk to the next person and either make a joke out of your shit experience with the last one or (laughs) try to find a way to make it a positive experience with the new one right right totally (laughs) i like that though that's (laughs) that's really positive too and making light of the situation so because i know like a lot of the times girls can get super jaded in this industry or just like demotivated it's very easy to do that right so very cool and another question here when can i get another one of your hugs Come find me at Teasers. I'm there today for day shift. <laughs> uh, teasers is not. Um, I can definitely give out hugs there. Thankfully. Well, that's um, good. I'm not sure what the rest of the week schedule is or if I'm just filling in today because this is kind of like a we're, we're on call for 14 hours a day. How's that sound? 
Oh my gosh. So, um, <laughs> I mean, there's upsides and downsides to everything, but I definitely enjoy the fact that I can get a random fall and have extra work thrown in. Which so works out. yeah, it's a, it works out in your favor. So fingers crossed. It, it generally does. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yes. Hugs can be found at teasers. Perfect. We'll definitely have to plug that. And speaking of plugging, where can we find you? So my Instagram, my sixth one is at I am Nia Nebula. My Twitter is at Nia Nebula. And my Facebook fan page is at Nia Nebula as well. And then in case anyone is looking for my more personalized content, 18 plus sort of deal that does not get posted anywhere else because I'm that girl. (laughs) (laughs) My website is neonebula.com and it's a subscription based website. Currently I'm running a promotion for 10 US dollars a month. Nice. And most of my content, literally most of it is free. And I think, I mean, at max it's $5 for everyone subscribed for whatever specific thing I'm trying to like get a little bit of extra money from because it's a little bit of extra uh content right Right, extra work so that's awesome well I'll be sure to definitely plug all of those links in the show notes but thank you (laughs) so much for joining us on the show today such a pleasure to have you thank you so much for having me you're so welcome and I hope you have a really really fruitful shift at work today I'm sorry to keep you it's like super old it's early in Vancouver right now but you guys are two hours ahead of time so I'm like we're cutting it close (laughs) but um thank you again hope to have you on the show again and um hopefully there will be another episode next week for the COVID mini series strip by Sia on Instagram as well as my personal Sia Steph and we'll catch you guys in for another episode hopefully next week thanks guys thanks Nia thanks babe (laughs) have a good day see ya Music by Ted.